You found the whole testament, a podcast putting the Old and New Testaments back together. This is an entree episode of what we're calling an intro to the feasts. I thought what a better place to film it than here in my suka. I have my etrog, I have my lulav. Oh, they smell great. Those of you who've smelled these know exactly what I'm talking about. What an amazing holiday. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're going to have to hang out for several episodes until we get to the Sukkot series. Today we're going to talk about what does the Bible say about the holidays? Are they found in the New Testament? Why doesn't the church today keep the holidays? And what does it mean for those of us who have started keeping them and how is it affecting our lives? You will not want to miss it. Go ahead. Camera one. Camera two. Camera one. Camera two. Hey. Welcome. (laughs) Yeah, so we um, are here with Fred. Most of you who have been watching recognize Fred, but you may not recognize Dan. This is Dan. He's uh, he made his first appearance with us on the Shabbat um, dessert with he and his wife Lacey. And so we have Dan back with us, and this is the entree to the feasts. So we were going to just start with Passover, but then I thought, you know, there's so much information that we need to prepare our minds for to understand what, what, why the feasts, instead of just jumping in. Um, and I, I'm so excited about this series. Uh, I feel like the feasts are... Highly significant. They made a huge... This is where I started on my faith journey was with the feast and brought a whole new light to who Jesus was, helped me understand the significance of the scripture as God has set it out, how every detail is important and it points to something. And so I'm really excited about it. And just so you know, um, here's our layout for the video. Uh, I'm going to just give you our points that we're going to walk through as we go through the entree. Um, The first thing we're going to talk about are what are the holidays or the feasts according to the scriptures. Um, So we're going to look at those in Leviticus 23 and why they're significant somewhat. And then um, the second thing would be why doesn't uh, modern day Christianity keep the festivals? So we're going to look at some of the reasons why your local church um, may not be uh, keeping these holidays. And then... um, we're going to also look at, do these show up at all in the New Testament? Um, and what are Jesus's and Paul's takes on the holidays? And then um, to end it, I want to end it on the most significant part of the video is the, the spiritual reasons why the feasts matter for us as followers of Jesus. So we're going to look at those um, at the end. So we'll end with that. Hopefully you'll stick around for that. But before, I I didn't want to start with that and then go into like, oh, this is why the church has typically not kept the holidays and get into all that. Um, Just talking about stuff that may or may not be that significant. And so I wanted to end with the most important part. So uh, just hang out for the end, for or just you know fast forward to the end if you want to get to that part, right? So no, listen to the whole thing. No, listen to the whole listen. thing. Yeah, listen. To the whole <laughs> it's better that way. Yeah, it's better. It's better. So all right. So number one, what are the holidays or the feasts? So that'll be. We'll just throw these questions out, and you guys just uh, join in to the conversation. 
Um, Passover? Passover, yeah. Sabbath is a holiday, right? It is. Yeah, okay. Well, so let's go. How about we do this? Let's turn to Leviticus 23 and we'll read them. I'm already there. Are you? Well, then start reading, dude. Do you want me to just, do you want me to just read, read it, verse 1? Uh, or start at 3? No. I want to read from verse 1. Okay, great. <clears throat> Let me get my radio voice on. I am going to hit your microphone. You are going to hit my microphone. I'm going to just keep hitting. Why don't, I, why don't I just move it a little bit? Here, I'll set this back. Better for you, Dave. Yeah, I can't sit and talk without moving your arms. I'm a hand talker. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens. I'm going to get my radio voice on now. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Sorry. Serious. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, these are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are my appointed feasts. Okay, hang on. So, this is what I do every time we do like Torah time with my kids. Okay, hang on. I'm like, we're going to read this and we'll read like two verses. Hang on, we got to oh, stop. Hang on. We got to stop. Stuff we got to stop. Yeah. yeah. So, what are the holidays or feasts? The number one thing is um, that we need to address is almost always people will say the Jewish holidays. Right? Uh, yep. Because when mm-hmm. we talk about Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur or Passover, Jewish holidays, right? Yep. But what does the scripture just tell us? Who's ho- what are the holidays? Feasts of the Lord. They're God's. They're God's holidays. They're God's holidays. They're not Jewish holidays. They're only considered Jewish because they're the ones who are still keeping them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the followers of Messiah were to keep them we might be able to reclaim them as the <laughs> Lord's holidays where all God's people are keeping his holidays. All right. That was my little soapbox. You can move on now. Okay. Uh, the Sabbath. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. All right. So we do have a series on the Sabbath. Yes, we can do. go backwards. It is not on YouTube. You would have to go to um, our podcast on Spotify, iTunes. Is it iTunes? Apple, wait, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Podcasts <laughs> Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the website, wholetestament.com. Wholetestament.com. Yeah, so you can find that there. There's a four-part series on the Shabbat, the Sabbath. One thing that I found was interesting mm-hmm. is, you know, when I think of feasts and holidays, I think of annual events. Uh-huh. And to, to throw out Sabbath there, it's a lot more frequent yes. than annual. Yeah, it's every week. It happens 52 times in a year. And really, it's crazy. It's like God said, you know what? Let's have a holiday every week. You know how you get excited about Thanksgiving, you get that day off and get to eat a bunch of stuff. It's like he gave us that every week. And we so often, little soapbox again, a little, we often only view Sabbath as what we can't do as opposed to what mm-hmm. God is blessing us with. I fall into that trap. Yeah, do you? Yeah. It's a holiday. We would never be like, oh man, I don't, uh, Fourth of July's. I gotta get ready for the Fourth of July, and no, we don't see it that. Way. I can't. 
I don't get to go to work on the 4th of July. You know, we never see it that way. Yeah, I, I think I... <laughs> I said some I said something to you about this the other night, like just this past Shabbat, I was thinking about this in the morning that um, we do take that viewpoint very individualistic it's it's about me, what can't I mm-hmm. do? Mm-hmm. but I think that uh, Shabbat exists for the community yeah and and that's one of the reasons that God says you shall do no work because if nobody is working, it reinforces. Community. And it's yeah, it's easier for the community, yeah, to to get the holiness yeah. of Shabbat. Shabbat is so difficult because we're not doing it. But mm-hmm. if if all your small group or all your church community or whatever were keeping it together, mm-hmm. then now you got all this free time to have community and talk about the scriptures and hang out, and you don't have to worry about being isolated. That's the yep. hard part right now. Is so few people are in on it that it feels like you're in isolation. Yep. Yeah. And that, that's why I think it's a set day too. Mm-hmm. So it's coordinated. Right. As so opposed to everybody choosing their own thing. Well, then it's individual again. Yes. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice, mm-hmm. Dan. Mm-hmm. This is a good nugget. <laughs> what? Oh. This has a good nugget. Nugget. <laughs> Minor cell boxes, Dan's or nuggets. I like it. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> It's true, though. It's true. I, that was great, Dan. I love it. I love it. All right, so Sabbath, Sabbath. number one, Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Then what we got? Okay, verse four. These are the appointed feasts of the Lord, the holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the time appointed for them. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month at twilight, is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread to the Lord. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work, but you shall present a food offering to the Lord for seven days. On the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. All right. So the second one is Passover, but we also lump in there like we it's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So Passover is just the evening of the holiday, the beginning of the holiday where they take the lamb and sacrifice it, or you remember the taking of the lamb, and then the next day begins the Feast of Unleavened Bread where you remove the yeast from your home for seven days. Remove all leaven out of the house for seven days. Yes. So we... You guys did that, right? Yeah. Get rid of the yeast? Yeah, we've done it for the last couple of years, and uh, it's... It's shocking when you pull your stove out. There's a lot of yeast in the house. Yes, oh, yeah. and, and just crumbs everywhere, all over the place. And even like what gathers in a year's time yeah, is crazy. It's pretty gross because the first time and we did has, it, your house is really we keep really it pretty clean. clean. Yeah, yeah, it's really clean. Yeah, yeah, so I guess it's a contrast when we pull the the stove out. We're like, <gasps> yeah. But the first so the first you should, you should see what's behind our stove. <laughs> 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 We got yeast we don't even know about. Yeah. <laughs> we got yeast growing yeast. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. So you remove the yeast, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, how that's actually referenced in the New Testament, that Paul says to do it. So we'll get to that later. But um, yeah, so you have Passover, which is a evening ceremony, and then you have unleavened bread, and it lasts for seven days. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So that's number two. Mm-hmm. Dos, trace. Dos. The feast of first fruits. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord so that you may be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And on the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb, a year old, without blemish, as a burnt offering to the Lord. And the grain offering with it shall be two-tenths of an ephah, of fine flour mixed with oil, a food offering to the Lord with a pleasing aroma. And the drink offering with it shall be of wine, a fourth of a hin. And you shall eat neither bread nor grain, parched or fresh, until this same day, until you have brought the offering of your God. It is a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. Oh, there's a lot there in that last one. Yeah, so this one's an interesting one because it happens during Unleavened Bread, during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and it's the day after the Sabbath. There's a whole bunch of commentary on whether that's the... So the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread is a holy convocation, a Sabbath, right? But it's seven days, so you also have the... um, weekly Sabbath, the seventh day Sabbath in there. And so there's discussion on what when this happens, but this is a, a activity that happens during the Feast of Unleavened Bread where they bring the grain of the new harvest and you so the very first of it you offer to God and then after that you can now begin to eat the grains of the new harvest. Although it's during unleavened bread, so they may have to not eat it. It's it's there's a lot in there. I don't mm-hmm. know. The Bible says little, the rabbis say a lot, and so it's hard to to know. Um, But this is sometimes confused with the Feast of Weeks, which is the next one, because it is also a bringing of the new harvest grain. So one of them is a wheat, and one of them is barley, and it's all connected to the ground and the land. But um, a lot of people get them confused, actually, and I was just refreshing this morning as I was looking it over I the two of them that I two of the websites that I read actually got this they put those two as one and hmm. got it confused so it's confusing whoops apparently yeah so we have first fruits so you have sabbath some people count that as a feast or not but I put it in there um pass passover unleavened bread first fruits and then the next one. Okay. The Feast of Weeks. You shall count seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering. You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. There's a lot of math happening. <laughs> then you shall present a grain offering of new grain to the Lord. You shall bring from your dwelling places two loaves of bread to be waved. All right. We'll just... Um you feel free to go to Leviticus 23 and read all these descriptions, but for the sake of not losing people in the first 10 minutes of the episode, we're going to just not go through all the description cool. of what we do because we are going to have a whole separate, yep. like, more detailed, detailed yep. on all, each one of these. This is our intro, and then we're going to have a whole series on each of the feasts coming up, okay? Um, so, 50 days after the Sabbath. So, just, just, I know some people are sitting there probably at this point thinking, okay, why does this matter? Who cares? Well, 
um, to hint at it, which we'll talk more at the end of the episode. Um, so we have Passover, which is Jesus was crucified on Passover. Then the day after the Sabbath, first fruits. So Jesus rose from the dead as the first fruits. Um, Paul says that. So then you have um, the festival of Feast of Weeks, which we just read, which is 50 days after Passover. Well, um, if you count 50, the Greek word for counting 50 is the is the word Pentecost. Oh, mm, so, I've heard of that. Huh? I've heard of that. Yeah. So we know that one. We're like Pentecost. And when it says, I, I mean, the first time I realized it was a holiday, I was reading Acts, and it said, and when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in the upper room. So it's like they had already, it happened before the Holy Spirit. And I was like, what? That seems out of order. Like it, it seems like we named that day based on the day that the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit came, you know? And so I was like, what's going on? And I began to research to find out that Pentecost is just the counting of 50. So here we are, and it is another reference in the New Testament to the holiday that was established back in the Torah in Leviticus. All right. Shavuot. Right? Shavuot, yeah. Bless you. What? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Okay. We're on to 23. Uh, Feast of Trumpets. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel saying, in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall observe a day of solemn rest, a memorial proclaimed with blast of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work and you shall present a food offering to the Lord. All right, so we call this Feast of Trumpets. Um, Israel, modern day Israel calls it Rosh Hashanah. Um, and we'll maybe address that a little bit later. Okay. Day of Atonement. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Now on the tenth day of this seventh month is the day of atonement. It shall be for you a time of holy convocation and you shall afflict yourselves and present a food offering to the Lord. And you shall not do any work on that day, on that very day, for it is a day of atonement to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whoever is not afflicted on that very day shall be cut off from his people. Yeah, so here's a feast where you're supposed to fast and afflict yourself. Not a very, not, it doesn't seem to go along with the idea of feast. Right? Sure. Sure. Uh, and that one's Yom Kippur. If you ever, if you hear the phrase Yom Kippur, that means Day of Atonement. <laughs> yep. Uh, and whoever does any work on that very day, that person I will destroy from among his people. <laughs> that's heavy. Oh yeah, you wanted to read that? I cut it off. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, that changes yeah. things. It's very significant and super powerful serious. and super all about how amazing Jesus is. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that. Uh, you shall not do any work. It is a statute forever. Oh, you're going to keep reading. I was going to say skip oh, down skip to it. the next. Well, skip to the next one. I, I don't know. You're if there's there? a lot of okay, there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about the feast. All right, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. It is a statute forever, forever. throughout your generations oh, yeah, you in all that. your dwelling places. There you go. Fred's making a point without using yeah, his own words. He's like, this I'm is what I'm just reading what's here. I'm just reading what's here. Statue forever throughout your generations. That sounds like forever to me. It shall be to you a (laughs) Sabbath of solemn rest, and you shall afflict yourselves on the ninth day of the month, beginning at what? 
In all your dwelling in places. In all your dwelling places. So that doesn't yeah, mean I know. Just, just in Israel or just in the desert. Yeah. It's wherever, whoever, right. forever. It could be traveling. On the ninth day of the month, beginning at evening, from evening to evening, shall you keep your Sabbath. Evening to evening. There you go. Why yeah. does it start at night? God evening decided he wants it to start at night. The day yeah. starts at night. Yep. So now we're into the Feast of Booths. Okay. Okay, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel saying, on the 15th day of this seventh month and for seven days is the feast of booths to the Lord. On the first day shall be a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. For seven days you shall present food offerings to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall hold a holy convocation and present a food offering to the Lord. It is a solemn assembly. You shall not do any ordinary work. Uh... These are the appointed feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim as times of holy convocation for presenting to the Lord food offerings, burnt offerings, and grain offerings, sacrifices, and drink offerings, each on its proper day. Each on its proper day. All right. And it just keeps going on. And Yeah. So yeah, these are the feasts. Clarifying. All right. So these are the holidays. All right. Um, I want to I want to turn our attention real quick to Genesis chapter 1, because this is the first mention of the holidays. Uh, People probably are not aware of that because we read English and not Hebrew. Um, So in in Leviticus, I know I just said Genesis 1, we'll go there. In Leviticus 23, it says, speak to the people of Israel and say, these are the appointed feasts, Hebrew, Moadim. That's the word Moadim. These are the appointed feasts, the Moadim of the Lord, okay? So if we go to Genesis chapter 1, here's something people often, if you want to study science and you're like, ah, oh, this doesn't make any sense. Um, what got, what did God, what was created on the first, the first thing? God said. Heavens of the earth. Yeah, but on day one. Oh, day one. I'm sorry. No, you're right. God created the yeah, heavens and the earth. Right, verse one. Yeah. Um, but was day one. What did God create on day one? Verse three. Uh, let there be light. There, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, separated the light from darkness, called the light day and light night. What did he create on day four? Verse 14. Signs for the seasons. Well, what is it? He, so like stars. Light. He said, let there be light in the expanse of uh, the sky, the, the sun and the moon, Yeah. right? So we have light before we have the source of light, which is the moon and the sun. The sun is the source that gives us our light, and the moon is a reflection of that source, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the light that created is a whole nother podcast to be talked about, but... So there's already light, there's plants, there's this all begins to be be put into place. And then God says, now we're going to create the heavens as far as the the sun, the moon, the stars. And then he says, why? Verse 14. For the the seasons, for days and And years. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And we read that in our English and we hear, we think signs and seasons, we think, Winter, fall, summer, spring, you know, as the earth tilts, the sun gets further away and it changes our seasons. But the word seasons is moedim, moedim, which are my appointed feasts. Mm -hmm. So here in Genesis, God says, do you want to know why we have the sun? Do you want to know why we have the moon? It's so that you know when the holidays are. I put Mm -hmm. them in place so you can know when 
Passover is going to happen. And so in the very beginning of creation, he set the order, which I think is crazy because it's mathematical, like the stars and the, the orbits and oh, the yeah. sun. It's all yeah. mathematical. And so he put that in place. So, so I, I had, there's some teachings on, on the Bethlehem star that appears when Jesus, and it's like, there's a there's some guy I don't know I don't study it all the way but like it just happened that like the Jupiter all these three things lined up exactly at the mm -hmm. same time and caused this brightness or whatever and if that's true like it was written on day four like mm -hmm. he put the math in place to make all this happen mm -hmm. and so he says these are here when we look out at the moon we're out we're supposed to say okay this is for signs. And for seasons, this is for the Moedim, for the feast. Every Passover, it's a full moon. Every Feast of Booths, it's a full moon. The Feast of Trumpets doesn't begin until the new moon appears. So you don't know when it's going to happen until the new moon appears. We can mathematically say we know when, but before we had charts and all that, it was you just had to wait and see. Oh, there's a new moon, Feast of Trumpets. Mm -hmm. They're They're... Determined by Genesis chapter 1, which I think is pretty cool. Why don't we do this? I mean, we do this, but why, don't, why didn't we do it? Why have we not been taught it in the main? I don't know the answer to that. It's actually quite puzzling. Yeah. Well, I think it was all wrapped into like, this is the, the old covenant kind of right. language. You know what I mean? Like, like all of these things are wrapped in the old covenant, and then Jesus comes and does away with the this old way. But he also says, out of his own mouth, like, "I'm not doing away with anything right. old." <laughs> yeah, I know. Matthew, yeah, Matthew five seventeen through right. nineteen. For any of you who want to look that one up. Yep. So, yeah, I feel like we kind of glaze over that that one line to maybe justify not keeping these old feasts and they're hard i mean yeah. in full transparency it's hard to keep now like if you've never been taught them yeah it's hard to know what to do but it's not hard to do it's hard to know what you should and shouldn't be doing right. on each of these but they're not they're easy enough to do but it probably even gets into another point of like the it's a whole lifestyle shift. Yeah. To to do this. Yes. So um here's as far as best that we can understand it here at the whole testament. Um these are the reasons why or some of the reasons why we are not taught this in mainstream Christianity. Mm -hmm. um, the early church, way back when, was very anti-Semitic. There was a lot of the the, I, the a normalized thought became that the Jews killed Jesus, so they were bad. Okay. Mm -hmm. Early church fathers, so they were bad. And so we don't want to have anything to do with them. So we began to change 
the way we do things so as not to be associated with them, right? And it's hard to justify that in Scripture, so we have to redefine Scripture with theology to allow for us to say, we're not going to do Passover anymore. Instead, we're going to do Easter. Um, in order to shift that, when the Scriptures, when God says, like you read, like on the Day of Atonement, do this forever for all generations throughout wherever you you live, uh, we have to create new theology that allows us to do that. So what we did was we subdivided the the law, the Torah, and you, if you haven't been taught this, ask ask your pastor, and this is the definition you will get why we don't do these holidays. It's because the law was is subdivided. So when We'll say, Jesus, like you said, Jesus. when Jesus died on the cross, he did away with the law. He did away with it. But, however, we hold on to some parts of the law. We keep some of it. Oh, yeah, no, we, we can't commit adultery. Ten commandments, baby. Yeah, except Shabbat is one of the Sabbaths. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but that's Sunday. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's not. But yeah, it is, but it is. But it, it is. It's our own. We, it we made it our own. I know. Right? We, we changed we, it. We changed it, Forgot yeah. the definition. Um. So the Ten Commandments we want to hold on to, which is obviously part of the Torah. So did Jesus do away with the law or did he not? And so we have this juxtaposed, we're juxtaposed against the two conflicting ideas. And so what we do is we said, okay, what we need to do is subdivide the law, Torah, into three categories. You have the moral law, which is do not kill, do not steal, don't commit adultery, don't move your neighbor's landmark. That one could maybe transition over into civil. So you have the moral law, and these are just the things that we as humanity shouldn't do. Those are still, God still values the moral law, and we need to keep the moral law. Then you have the civil law, which is um, if a son disrespects his father and he takes him to the elders and he's not corrected, then you stone the child. Mm. Right or if a husband dies and doesn't leave a, his wife a child, then his brother is now responsible to bring forth the child for that to keep the family name going. Right, so you have the civil law, which we say that only applied to Israel in the point of time in which Israel was living mm-hmm. at that time. Because they needed those rules. And then you have the ceremonial, which deals with the sacrificial system, the offerings, the the seventh year Sabbath, right? And so we have that. We as- pulled some of the seventh year Sabbath into mainstream. Like in terms of like the fields and how the, but they won't reference it. Necessarily, is that well? Yeah, sort of. But now they they just decide we can just put nutrients into the ground, and right. we don't need to, or right. we just rotate crops. Oh, yep. Yeah, crop rotation. Yeah, yeah. So we have the moral, the civil, and the ceremonial, and so we're only obligated to the moral. We are not obligated to the civil or the ceremonial. Um, I have asked a guy who's like got a doctorate in Pauline theology type stuff. He's Really, really smart. I was like, "Where did the? Where's the? Where do you get this? Like, where's the biblical justification for this?" And he's like, "Oh, there isn't any." He used some big word and basically meaning it's theology we made up. Mm-hmm. 
and so it's new it's theology that we uh, we just created there's no biblical basis for it there are some people that probably could argue that there's a biblical basis for it but so then uh, then the question is why did we make it up yeah it's because we did not want to be it's because like when we started we said these feasts are jewish yeah i i think it gets not, back to that base reason which is you, so weird because if if the church is saying the Jews killed Jesus, well, if... I think that's a generalization, too. Right. It's certain Jews that killed Jesus. There were a well, lot of Jews Romans that, yeah. that actually but killed it's all, Jesus. But it's like what I'm saying is like <laughs> all that had to come to pass. You know what I mean? It did have It to. had to happen. Yes. So the fact that they're saying we have to change all this because this happened... Doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways, soapbox. Continue. Yeah, it's uh. Yeah, once you start asking these deeper questions, you start to see holes mm-hmm. in things. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Jesus said, "I didn't come to change any of these or abolish any of them until heaven and earth disappear." They're still here. Heaven and earth are still here. So. Um, and in all throughout the Torah, when God speaks of it, he's like, keep my laws, commands, statutes, ordinances. Like, oh, you could say, oh, he subdivided it. But it's like, every time it's like, all of them. Mm-hmm. Keep them. Do these. Keep these. And he doesn't subdivide moral, civil. Right. It's It's not like that. It's like a whole, it's like the... One of the rules, one of the words, I think it's statutes, is the Hebrew word chuk, which is just like, these are these are the rules that don't have an obvious explanation to them, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, keep the commands that you don't even have, there's no real reason why you don't boil a goat in the milk of its mother. It's like, why w- we don't understand that one. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, it can make sense to say, don't steal your neighbor's wife. Well, that one makes right. sense, right. right? So you have the the laws that, you know, anyway, so this we're, we're talking about the feasts. Talking about the feasts. We're talking about the feasts. Um, so there was this uh, is there's subdivision, but actually, like, I found just one proof text in Exodus to say this, you can't subdivide it. It's one. It's the commandment, right? Uh, we can find it in Revelation uh, John says that um, twice. It says the devil went down, the dragon went down to make war on the woman and her offspring. Those who hold to the testimony of Jesus and the commandment of God. And it also says um, another time it refers to that. Those who hold the testimony of Jesus and the commandment in like a singular form mm-hmm. of God. Mm-hmm. It's not plural, it's, it's singular. Yeah. yeah. And so, in, and in, that's the New Testament, Exodus 24, the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and wait there that I may give you the tablets of stone and the law and the commandment, which I've written. So, it's like the commandment is singular. Mm-hmm that I may give them this, and it's singular. And it does say, like, when we separate it out, like, we can pull out the Ten Commandments, um, but 
if you read the story of the Ten Commandments, God is saying all the commands, and then people are like, no, it's too much. It's too loud. Moses, you go get it, and you come tell us, because the voice of God, the holiness of God, if it continues, we will die. Mm-hmm. That's the people are like, it's too holy for us. We got a lot of people like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's too holy. Yeah. You go learn it. You go study it. You tell me what I need to know because I can't, I can't manage it. I can't handle it. So that's basically what the people did. And so God's like, okay. So at the, the chapter doesn't even end of the Ten Commandments without God giving Moses a bunch more commandments. Mm-hmm. And then it just continues page after page of the commandment. The commandment of God. My mm-hmm. commandment. So... Separating it out is why we don't do it. Um, and so let's look at, I'm going to, we're going to now shift from the, that's why I think the main reason we don't do it was too Jewish. And the early church was like, we don't want to be Jewish. We want there. So we're going to shift away from that. Yeah. And we're going to change the way we do things without real biblical evidence, just because we don't want to be identified there. Yeah. And so... But let's look at the texts, like the New Testament, and then we'll look in the Old Testament about what it actually says about the commandments. Okay? So, um, can you think of any places where Jesus does anything with the feasts? He did the Passover. Yeah. He, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he did the Passover. Obviously. Obviously, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, what we call communion... Is actually a micro remembrance of Passover. Mm-hmm. It's Passover. People, a lot of people may not don't know that actually. So he did Passover. Actually, when he was twelve, and they lost him at his feet at the feast, they lost him, and his parents were like, "Where were you?" Three days later, they're like, "Where are you?" And he's like, oh, "I was in my father's house." They had all the whole community, again, Dan, had gone to Jerusalem for Passover. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they're all going there for Passover. Jesus went up to the Feast of Booths in John chapter 7. It says actually in uh, John chapter 10, at the time the Feast of Dedication took place in Jerusalem, it was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon, which is the Feast of Dedication is one that's not listed it's uh, it's Hanukkah. What we they celebrate mm-hmm. is Hanukkah, mm-hmm. as the rededication of the temple. And so Jesus was in Jerusalem for the rededication of the temple. So how does that work with that feast? Um, we may address that. Okay. As a separate Side thing. Tangent. What about Sorry. Purim and Hanukkah and? The ones the that of are Ob. mentioned, but they're not like yeah, explicitly. they're not they're not ones that God said do these mm-hmm. in in the in the Torah. We can address some okay. of those side side um, tangent. Yep, yep. Um, so those are just some of the ones with Jesus. Here's some with Paul. Like it's kind of interesting. We our small group did a study through Acts, and it's like man. There's a lot of talk about the feasts and stuff you just don't realize. You don't realize because really, honestly, the majority of our theology that would separate us out from Judaism comes after the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. It's when Paul starts to address, like, how do we deal with this amongst the Gentiles now? And so, we could have a whole conversation about what do we do with the Gentiles and how does this all work out? But there are some passages that we'll get to about that. 
about that situation scenario. Okay, mm-hmm. so um, here's some from Paul, Acts twenty sixteen. For Paul had decided to set sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. So Paul, the one who says the law is old and done away with, he's where we get our theology. Mm -hmm. It's only through Paul that you get a theology of Jesus did away with the Torah, that we're no longer obligated to Torah. Set is trying his best to get to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. Um, Acts 27, since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, Paul advised to them. We read that and we're just like, oh, the fast. This this word fast is, in a ca- is capital. It's the Day of Atonement. It's mm-hmm. the Day of the Fast. It's a, the most significant holiday in Israeli Israel culture, Jewish culture, it's the most significant. It's the day where God judges you for the next year. And so even when Paul is traveling with the soldiers and the Gentiles, it's like the time is reckoned by this day. Mm-hmm. Like that day is so significant. It's not like if when Luke was writing this and they're like, oh, these things don't matter anymore. He would. Why would he put that detail in there? Except that it did matter. It was still playing a part in their lives. Uh, and here's one I find. Jeff's comments. No, no, no. I'm just. I'm. Yeah, just saying. Processing. Yes. Yeah. Here's one that I think is crazy. Acts eighteen twenty one. Um, the NIV, the ESV will read it similar to this. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus. Okay? Then, if you read it in like the King James Version, the New King James Version, s- several other, op- other different versions, it reads like this. But he took leave from them saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. So Paul is telling the, the people... I don't know where I was going to say it. Yeah, in Ephesus, like, I got to go. Mm-hmm. I have to get to this feast mm-hmm. in Jerusalem. This is Paul. I've got to leave because I have to be there for the feast in Jerusalem. But only half of the manuscripts kept that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, There's a big gap in some of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? They leave it out because, you know what, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Only half of the ancient manuscripts have it in it. Okay. Okay. And so the translators are like, well, number one, it doesn't work with our theology that Paul would have to hurry back and get to a feast. So that we're going to side with the versions that don't have it in it yep. and leave it out. And what's crazy to me is that, like, some Bibles have footnotes to say all this stuff, and the mm-hmm. one I trust the most, like the ESV, doesn't have that foot. Doesn't even have a footnote mm-hmm. to say some manuscripts have this. It's like this is so like against how we kind of see things that we're just we're just going to leave out the fact that it says, and some of the ancient scripts manuscripts right. say, "I've got to go because I have to get to the feast." Uh, one of the things that I think is crazy is that nowhere in all of Scripture 
does it say, once Jesus dies, you'll no longer have to keep these holidays. Jesus never once says, what I'm doing is changing this. I've come to give my life to change this so that you will no longer have to keep these holidays. Mm -hmm. Paul doesn't even say, you no longer have to keep these holidays. There's a verse, I know, for those of people who like to be on the other side of the uh, argument, I have a verse. I know what's in your what mind. What verse is it? Well, we'll get to it in okay. just a second. We'll get to it. Okay, actually, it's, it's Colossians 2, 16 and 17. So to me, it seems super, super crazy that what the words of God are, do this forever. Mm-hmm. You ought to do this forever throughout all generations, wherever you live. That's what God says. He doesn't say you are to do these until the Messiah comes. But Paul, (laughs) read that, read 16 and 17. Okay. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So, so. here's our verse. <laughs> what is that saying? What do you think that's saying? Just he's. I think he's like. You don't have to try to like come up with the answer that I. No, I know. Right I'm answer. trying to think. I'm looking for you to say right. this is what majority of people are reading this, and this is what he's like. Don't say. worry about what you eat and drink. To them, right? In, in, in because, as far as the, as far as the uh-huh. holidays go, mm-hmm. don't worry about it. Because because this ah, see, I can't even justify it. My I can't, these I, are a shadow of the things to come, but yeah. the substance belongs to Christ. So right. how, what? But that? but that's that. But that's a, I feel like that's a big deal, though. Right there, that second verse, the the shadow. Like these are the these are. That's why they're important because these are like, these are an inkling of what is going to happen. So yeah, so the majority of the time, the people, people that are struggling with what we're talking about now, are going to use are going to hold on to this verse because they're going to say, the feast. Yeah, they were pointing to Jesus, but he's he's come, and so no longer they're not necessary. It's like I don't need like I have. I have a picture of my wife on my phone, but I don't need that picture if she's here. If she's sitting next to me, I'm not looking at the picture of my wife mm-hmm. on my phone being like, oh, I miss her, I love her so much, if she's sitting right next to me, right? So that's the shadow. That's what those were. They were like that. But now he's right here. He's with us. So we're no long- they're no longer a necessary thing. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't say they're not necessary. Right. What's, uh, what's the therefore? I mean, it's following something. Right. Okay, hold on. That's a great question. <laughs> That's a great question. Let's, huh, there's let's some ad- things before that. Let's address Imagine. the shadow part first. Okay, so what I think is interesting um, is it says, these are a shadow of the things to come. So we read it as in, these were a shadow. The feasts were a shadow of things to come. Okay, like they pictured to Jesus and now they no longer picture. But that's not what he says. He doesn't use past tense. They were a shadow. He says, these are a shadow of things still to come. Things to come. So there are still 
things to come. Mm-hmm. Right? So the fulfillment is not fully here. The Messiah has come, but hasn't fully fulfilled all of these. They are still pictures of things to come. Um, and the substance of those, the reason why we should be keeping these is because they're about the substance is Christ. Like, for us to say these are Jewish feasts and we don't have to do them is to say these have nothing to do with Jesus. Right. So we have nothing to do with these because they're not about Jesus. But Paul and Scripture say these are about the substance, the meat of this, Leviticus 23, is Jesus. Do we ignore it? I want to show you something in here. Okay, so show us. if you have your Blue Letter Bible on verse 16, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. So uh, earlier it's like, um, See to it that no one takes you captive. This is verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head and rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ." So, a shorthand, what's going on is there are Jewish people along with some Jewish followers of Jesus that are telling the Gentile followers of Jesus they must become Jewish to be Mm -hmm. followers of Jesus. Paul is constantly fighting against that. You don't have to become Jewish to be a follower of Jesus. Abraham was the father Before he was circumcised and after circumcised. He's the father of us all. We are all part of the community of God, pre or post circumcision by our faith in Jesus. Mm -hmm. So they are disqualifying you because of your uncircumcision, Mm -hmm. your non-Jewishness. This is the argument. Therefore, okay, let no one pass judgment on you. So they can't judge you. The Jews who are in the club saying you have to be different in order to be in the club, you have to become Jewish, are judging you saying you have no right. And this is where this verse is, we've switched it. We completely switched it around when we read it from our modern day. But look at this. If you click on your blue letter Bible, okay? Click. Click. So we're going to click on the word regard or respect. It's the Greek word meros, okay? So if I look up that word meros, the definition is a part, a part due or assigned to one, your lot, your destiny. So if we read this, don't let anyone pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or or question your part in the festivals or your lot or your destiny in the festivals. See, they're being told that they couldn't take part in these. Mm -hmm. And Paul is saying... They can't question you on whether, whether you can have a part in the holidays. It, we've completely switched it. Mm-hmm. They're saying you have no place. You're not Jewish. You have no place. Isn't that crazy? I think it's crazy how 
we use scripture to try to prove that we don't need to do this. Yeah. Right? We twist it to prove that we don't need to do this. Why are we doing that? Why would we? Right. Yeah. This, even, if, even if, yeah, the substance is Christ. Yeah. And in that very next verse, let no one disqualify you. It's obvious that's what he's saying. Mm-hmm. They're disqualifying you. Like, they're separated from Christ based on what was up here earlier. What did he say? Empty deceit according to human tradition. It's human tradition. It says in the Old Testament, anybody, everybody celebrates a holiday. Sojourner, it's mm-hmm. the same. Mm-hmm. It's the same mm-hmm. for the nation or the sojourner. Everybody's allowed to be in it. But, is, but the human tradition had said, if you're not Jewish, you cannot be a part. And you have to become Jewish by going through a conversion process, which is circumcision. And here's Paul saying, you cannot be disqualified according to your place mm-hmm. in these holidays. That's what Paul's really saying. Mm-hmm. Not saying you don't have to keep them. They right. were just a shadow. Even the depth of those two arguments. Like one's way up here at the surface and the other one's... <clears throat> yeah. Know. It's reading past those verses. Yeah. All right, so... Uh, just one more other thing to say. This is why it's important, okay? Is because um, all throughout the scriptures in the Old Testament, not only does God say forever, not until the Messiah comes, but it says forever, uh, there are also pro- prophecies that prophesy a future yet to be revealed to us still in the future where these things are continuing. And mm-hmm. so... Um, Ezekiel 46. Yeah, Ezekiel 46 there, Fred. Yep, you mean, yep. Yeah. Okay. When the people of the land came before the Lord at the appointed feasts, he who enters by the north gate... Hang on, when the people of the land come. Come. When the people of the land come before the Lord at the appointed feasts, he who enters by the north gate to worship shall go out by the south gate and he who enters by the south gate shall go out by the north gate. No one shall return by way of the gate by which he entered, but each shall go out straight ahead. Okay, so this is some weird thing about how you enter in and go in and out. And it's in Ezekiel, and if we don't read it and understand the context of it, we can be like, oh, that's the rules for the people that were living then, right? Mm-hmm. But the context is that he's been taken in a vision to the ne- the temple that has yet to be built. Mm-hmm. Some people will say, oh, but that was Herod's temple. It wasn't. The measurements are completely different. It's like God laid this out. There is a temple that is to be built again. You can go. We have a whole series on the tabernacle. There's a whole bunch of episodes that talks about this more in depth if you want to go back and listen to those. Um, This is the new temple, the one that's going to be built, and they're going to be coming in and coming out on the appointed feast days. (laughs) So here's prophecy in the future. (laughs) where God says, we're going to have the feasts again. How can we do that if Jesus did away with it all and it's no longer something we need to do? And my question would be, if this happens in our lifetime, will you know what to do? Will we know what to do? Or will we be like, I have no idea what's going on right now? 
Zechariah 14? Yeah. Yep. Uh, and I split it up because there's a lot. I should have done that with the Isaiah one just now, but for okay. we could read verse 4 for context. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half of it toward the south. Okay, so this is, has not happened yet. This is the return of the Messiah. And then there's this war where everybody comes up against Jerusalem and God fights against them when Israel's unable and even only a third of Israel is left. And it's a big deal. It's a big war. And then after it, we pick up at verse 16. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Keep the Feast of Tabernacles Mm -hmm. at the end. So, Jesus did away with these, and yet God seems to think that we need to continue, that we will be doing these Mm -hmm. to worship Him. All the people that are left from all the nations, so all the people that didn't actually go up against God will be left and will come to Jerusalem and celebrate the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, Yeah, let's finish the passage because it's... Uh, Verse 17, And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. If the family of Egypt will not come up and enter in, they shall have no rain. They shall receive the plague with which the Lord strikes the nations who do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all the nations that do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. In that day, holiness to the Lord shall be engraved on the bells of the horses. The pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yes, every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holiness to the Lord of hosts. Everyone who sacrifices shall come and take them and cook in them. And that day there shall be no longer be a Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. Yeah, so you better come up for the Feast of Tabernacles or there will be bad stuff. And in Jerusalem, every pot will be holy for sacrifice. Well, but I thought we weren't doing sacrifices because Jesus did away with those. This is not what Zechariah seems to say. So either Zechariah is a false prophet or maybe we've misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe we were misunderstanding Zechariah, but it seems pretty obvious here that every pot in Jerusalem is holy and the nations are coming up to worship God, the king on the Feast of Tabernacles. So, these are the reasons why I believe we should still be doing these things Mm -hmm. um, scripturally. And now, just to close us out real quick, these are the reasons why, like, personally, I feel like we need to be doing them. Like, you've been, you've, you've both done Passover a while, so what is it that is, like, what's just that moment, uh, what is it that makes it significant for you why you would say, these are, these are why we do this. Well, I, I would say, you know, 
for our family, I mean, I'm always looking for a way to to teach our kids mm. and invest in our kids. And um, like when we've done the Passover meal, there it's an activity. Mm-hmm. There, there's all kinds of things going on to remind us mm-hmm. of um, of that event. Yeah. And um, that I mean, that's a big reason. Uh, I think as we continue to grow, it will get deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, but but in all of these, you know, that that's one of my initial motivators is I want my kids to know this stuff. Mm-hmm. I want me <laughs> to know this stuff, and I want as a family uh, for for this to be the um, what it's all based on, because it sure seems to all tie together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm every time we we participate in past, like I feel like I'm learning something about it, and it feels like every. I mean, every part of it was significant to what what was trying to be communicated, and. Like that, for for me, lear- trying to learn that and understand that as a 40-year-old adult, like, I wish that I had been able to have this communicated when I was younger. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I like, I feel like I'm catching up, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. And so, like, learning this now, having my kids participate in it, like... Like it's a big deal. Like, and I never, and and the fact that like, I never understood the significance of all of this, and for such a long time, I was like, oh, that's a Jewish thing. Now you're doing it to my mic. <laughs> I guess I talk with my hands too. <laughs> you know, yeah. So like growing up thinking, oh, that's that's just a Jewish thing. Like that. Does it does it matter for me? Well, yeah, it matters for me. Obviously, like now mm-hmm. that I'm learning this, so it's like it's heavy. Like it's a lot to it's a lot to take in, and like it's serious. It's I mean, obviously, it's serious. Like reading all of this um, and thinking to the future, like why would why would I not? Like I don't want to go against what God wants and be subject to all the things that are being talked about for the future. Like, and that's not just like, I don't want to get in trouble. That's like, he tells us to, he tells us to do this stuff. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. I think so for, for me, like this is the overwhelmed me, just like the significance of the detail and the intentionality. Like he wrote in the stars in the beginning, he gave it to his people. It's played out in, the Old Testament, the holidays played out. In the New Testament, they're they're becoming fulfilled. Like it's not coincidental that Jesus was crucified on Passover. It's not a coincidence that he rose on the feast of first fruits. It's not just happenstance that the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost or the feast of Shavuot weeks. These are not incidental. It's not just um Circumstantial. I don't know. I've used this, these, all these words. So then you get and you go to the 
to the feast in the fall, the feast of trumpets, like what is Paul says, it will blast of trumpet when he returns. You know, the, even the rabbis who are not trying to promote Jesus say the, that there were two great shofars from the ram that Abraham sacrificed. The one blasted when God descended on Mount Sinai, and the other will blast when the Messiah returns, right? And New Testament, Paul is saying that's what's going to happen. It's going to be the blast of the trumpet on the day of, a, day of trumpets. And one of the things that's interesting about the day of trumpets, it's the only holiday that starts on the first day of the month, which you don't know when it starts. And so when he talks about it, it's like nobody knows the day or the hour. Mm-hmm. You don't know until you see it. And that's how he talks about it. when Jesus comes, when he's talking about the blast of the trumpets, nobody knows the day or the hour. The Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, like the Day of Judgment. Like, honestly, one of my favorite holiday memories of this is um, in community, our, our small group decided we were all going to keep the Day of Atonement and fast the best that we could. Some. People were pregnant or whatever. Some people, you know, but a lot of people didn't eat. Some people didn't drink. We did the 24 hours, and then we got together in Fred's garage, and we had we had some music. We had music, and we it was like the room echoed, and we had all the kids in there, yep. and we're meeting in community, saying, you know what, we fasted and felt our our bodies angry with us, and understanding that that's like focusing in on our deep desire for the sinful things of life and how God has um, made a way through his atonement of the sacrifice of Jesus that set us free. And we sang all these worship songs and you could just hear the kids echoing through the garage singing. And it was like, this is like heaven, you know, this is like what it's all about, this community together physically feeling it, spiritually hungry, and then just devouring a, like a million pizzas afterwards. <laughs> it was just, you know. We did eat a lot of pizza that night. Yeah. Just what I love about the feast, why I think that you guys should figure out what it means in your life to do something is we have a way of making our faith uh, a mental thing, a statement of beliefs, but God says it's got to be, it's so much bigger than that. Experience the horseradish. Experience the smells of the Shabbat challah. Experience the hunger and the thirst on the Day of Atonement. Experience these physical representations of my spiritual reality because I want I want you to see it's so much more. And it's so much about, as followers of Jesus, if you don't know these things, then you're missing out on part of God's character because it is the substance is Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you'll stick around as we head into like a big, long series, going through all of these, breaking down details, trying to tell you how you can apply it in your life. And I'm super excited and... Um, so stick around. We'll be hitting Passover soon. So let's just pray as, uh, as we close it out. Heavenly Father, we just thank you again. I mean, I'm just overwhelmed every time I sit, sit down and look at the text or sit in front of these cameras, the, the power of your scriptures and the truth that you, you desperately want us to seek out. And so I just pray, God, that um, your Holy Spirit will begin to lead us 
for anybody that this is brand new information that you would open up um, little pieces as seeds are planted and begin them on this journey of finding the Messiah in the holidays. And I pray, God, that um, it will be a blessing. It will be an overwhelming blessing to them, to their children, to the people around them that they get to bring in with them on these holidays. And just that you would bring your community of people, your community of believers together, um, and that we would uh, begin to look so different that the world is just desperate to find out what is going on. Thank you for Fred and for Dan, and I pray that you would just bless them as they walk this journey out and that um, you would just lead their families to amazing places. And we ask this in your name. Amen. 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 Oh, yeah. That smells so good. So good. I'm just encouraging you, like Fred and Dan and I just did in this video, do what you can to get interested in the holidays. Do what you can to learn about them. I promise you, promise you, it will be a blessing. If you have any questions or want to comment on anything, you can comment below. Make sure you subscribe or click the little bell so you know when our next video comes out. The next episode is a dessert. I sit down with Jim and his wife, me and Stephanie, and we talk about what it was like for our wives when... Jim and I came home from a trip to Israel and started making changes, how they adapted to it, how God led them in it. So it is going to be another good episode. You don't want to miss it. And if you want to be a part of the whole Testament, we do have a donate button on our webpage, thewholetestament.com. We'll see you next time. You gotta quit playing with your microphone. I'm sorry, I, it's I, habit. Listen, I know it's a habit. What you can do is donate to the whole testament and buy one of them fancy ones oh. that you can do like this, like you do at church when you're and it not make these noises. <laughs> you're the only one. You're the tech guy. You're the guy who should. You it's, have to. It's my you, fidgetiness. You have like, to edit the audio part of this and cut I all. I don't that know out. what to do with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And you're the only one. I don't know what to do it. with my hands oh. at all. Okay, here. <laughs> Were you making fun of me? I'm trying to give you content for the end of the episode. I was going to say, is that the little clip at the end? <laughs>